When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily and what feels like the calm before the storm ahead of the final weekend in the 2020-21 Premier League season. It's been a roller coaster. There's been ups, downs, twists and turns and there still might be a few thrills yet to come. We've been with you every step of the way here on the only daily Premier League podcast. A new episode every day of the season and we aren't done yet. Plenty to file through on this final Friday of the campaign, including the transfer story which has dominated the back pages all week Tottenham's Harry Kane and his future in North London. Manchester City, Manchester United and Chelsea are all allegedly interested but where next for the England skipper who's even suggested himself that a hundred million quid might be enough to prize him out of Spurs. It could be the final farewell for Kane at Tottenham this weekend. That's still to be decided. But one thing we do know for certain is that Roy Hodgson will have his swan song at Crystal Palace. The elder statesman of the top flight is stepping away from Selhurst Park, but who will be present in the Palace dugout next season? Plus, City centre-back Ruben Diaz has been named the Football Writers' Player of the Season. Just how good has he been this term with his side crowned as champions? I'm Niall McCorn and with me on today's Football Social Daily, we have Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche. How's things, Leon? Doing good, Niall. Uh, really looking forward to the last weekend of the season. There's a lot to play for, so it should be very exciting because in a year that we've had, nothing is guaranteed until the final whistle blows. Yeah, well, on that, I can't imagine you had many punters backing Alisson to score at any time last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we certainly didn't. But look, I'm a Liverpool fan, so... Um, I'm sure my neighbours were wondering what the hell is going on in his house because <laughs> the screams of me and my little boy, um, he's seven, and by God, we just, oh, it was it was euphoria. It really was because <laughs> I just felt our Champions League dream was gone. Uh, we didn't look like scoring. We missed mm. a couple of chances with Trent and Jeannie, and I thought our, I thought Big Sam was going to do He's going to do a number over Liverpool again. He's had a really good record anytime he's come up against Liverpool. Look, yeah. I mean, it seems as if Sam Allardyce focuses every single thing he has anytime <laughs> he comes up against Liverpool. But what a header. And I think what made it even more special was 
Nat Phillips had actually run right across Allison's view. So for him to keep his eye on the ball, to keep his concentration level and to finish in the manner he did, it was a, I mean, it was a goal worthy of winning any match. Yeah, 100%. And actually, I saw a predictor, Leon, that said Liverpool's Champions League chances went up from 41% to 72% just with that single touch off of Alisson's head. So certainly <laughs> it is now in Liverpool's hands for the Champions League. And from one hectic Liverpool household to another, I reckon nothing is more hectic than the McNaughton household right now. How are you doing, Steve? Yeah, all good, mate. Yeah, all good. We're uh, we're taking each day as it comes and uh, managing to wiggle our way through. <laughs> yeah, that's all I, I mean, you said before we started recording that that Alisson header could go down as one of your favourite ever Liverpool goals. Yeah, definitely. It was just, um, I think, like I was, I was watching it and I was getting frustrated because I thought Liverpool were quite wasteful as 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 had, had been usual this season. And um, and he comes up and I just, uh, I was thinking to myself, what what's the point in this? And I, you know, um, <laughs> I, I didn't think it, I didn't think there was any, there was any point in it. And um, and he comes up and and you know, and fair play, no one's really mentioned it, but I thought the delivery from Trent was outstanding as well. Um, and he gets up, and what what amazes me about goalkeepers and when goalkeepers score goals is they literally waltz into the box and no one picks them up. Um, you know, if you're talking about like you know when Schmeichel scored or Jimmy Glass scored that famous goal for Carlisle, um, you know, back in the day, and Allison for Liverpool, they walk in these big lads, no one picks them up, and and they just got the they've they've got. You know, all the time in the world, haven't they? But I thought it was a great header. I thought Nat Phillips could have took him out, like Leon just said. But um, you know, brilliant, brilliant. And I think that when you are chasing things like Liverpool have this season, um, you need that little bit of a bit of luck really to go your way. And and he got it. And the big man got his got his head on the end of it. And it was it was a fantastic goal. And and you know, like like Leon, um, you know, my son turned seven this Monday, and, and we were sat on the, we, we were sat. Um, in the living room watching it at home and we were jumping up and down screaming and that you know it just was brilliant mate and that's 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 what football is isn't it you know we could do a whole football social daily on goalkeepers scoring goals but unfortunately (laughs) that is not the route we're going to go down just if i may say i think the interview that alison gave after the match i i'm i mean like it would be remiss of us not to just mention that briefly because i think a lot of people have fallen out of love with football and i think Mm. when you heard him speak and heard what he's gone through and heard how the football family and the football community had had reached out to him to offer condolences to make sure he was okay it actually made me feel good about the sport again so yeah fair play to him agreed yeah it's a great point he's been through a real tough time of it obviously with the sad passing of a beloved family member so it was great to see him as you say kind of back smiling again and back enjoying the game of football, which isn't the be-all and end-all, even though sometimes we think it might be. I wonder what will happen next in the future of Harry Kane. This is still the biggest Premier League story of the week. Manchester City are reportedly set to outbid United and Chelsea for the Tottenham striker. That's according to the newspaper, The Star. But where does he actually end up next, Steve? I know you've said that both the Manchester clubs could do with a striker like Harry Kane. What is, what's your personal thoughts <clears throat> on the situation? Um, I think my personal thoughts, and, I, and I've said it quite a lot on the podcast over the well over this season, really. I've said that Harry Kane 
regardless needs to leave Tottenham this summer. The biggest obstacle in his way is obviously Daniel Levy because, you know, Levy gives nothing away. You know, the guy has got a glass toilet at home and, um, you know, and he can <laughs> peel an orange in his pocket. Um, you know, but I just think that, um, I just think that, uh, you know, I do think Harry Kane will end up in Manchester. Um, I'm just not sure it'll be Man City. I think, that, you know, Man United will probably fancy going all guns blazing and trying to get that that over the line because you know it, it's an interesting dynamic at Man, Man United and I'll come to City in a second because um, you know we've got a young Mason Greenwood there which, who will come to and um, we've got Anthony Martial who, who just has not delivered for a long long time for Man United and I'm talking a long time and um, I think United will have an eye on that and thinking you know is there anyone in the market who will be willing to take Anthony Martial Um and you know if they can move him on, that that will create a spot really because they've done a really shrewd piece of business in getting Cavani signed up for another season. Um, and and I just think that Harry Kane can go in there, slot in, and 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 you know become a bit of a United legend like players have you know before him. You know like like your Teddy Sheringham's of this world, like your Eric Cantona's of this world who who come into the teams quite late in the career. And um, I just think that for, for me, I think you know um, I, I won't be surprised to see him end up at United. I, on the Man City front, I think he's a ready-made replacement for Aguero. I think he'll get bags of service. I think he's he's got a, an absolute mountain of goals. I think that United will have more of a tolerance for the deal going up in price. I think they'd be willing to to do the deal that City wouldn't do, um, because I think they're more desperate than City. Um, you know, and I think that you know, I wouldn't be surprised if United did throw hundred million at it and a couple of players to Tottenham, um, you know, to to take the deal up to about one fifty, you know, something like that. And um, and I think you know, Harry Kane is a class act. He's a top professional, um, and I, he deserves this move. And I think that you know, if Daniel Levy was to kind of you know be a real all about it, and um, and and you know, and and kind of hold him to his contract and and price him out of a market because. You know the kid's twenty eight in July, so it, it it's now or never really because I feel like if Harry gets to thirty, it probably won't happen. Um, so I do think it is this summer if it's going to happen, and, and good luck to him. Well, talking of Daniel Levy, Harry Kane's actually been speaking to Gary Neville for Sky Sports about the Tottenham chairman, and he had something interesting to say about possibly leaving the club this summer. Let's have a listen. We've always had a good relationship, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how that conversation will go, if I'm honest. Uh, <laughs> but you know, as, as players, you don't know what the, the chairman's thinking. I don't know. I mean, he might want to sell me. He might be thinking, if I can get 100 million for you, then why, why not? You know what I mean? I'm not going to be worth that for the next two, three years. I mean, we have a good enough relationship. I've given the club, well, I've been there 16, 16 years of my life. So I hope we can have a good, honest conversation and, and see where we're at in that aspect. So there we are. That's... Harry Kane speaking to Gary Neville about his future at Tottenham Hotspur and possible conversations with Daniel Levy. Might be tempted to sell me, he said, Leon. It sounds like he's setting his own price tag. He even said £100 million there and he might not be worth more than that due to his age and due to his career slowly ticking along. Do you think he's right? Well, look, I mean, as Steve said, he's 28 in the summer. So he's, I mean, he's coming to his peak. And I think Mm. even if he has a good relationship with Daniel Levy, I don't think that's going to matter to Bob when it comes down to the sale of Harry Kane, it's got to be the right price for Levy and it's got to be the right price for Tottenham Hotspur. I think he deserves a move. And I actually think, having listened to him now a little bit, Harry Kane, he wants to win trophies and he wants to win medals. So I think he's going to end up in Manchester. And I think if you want to win trophies and you want to win medals, 
you've got to go to Manchester City. And the reason I think he will end up in Man City is because he's got a really close relationship, by all accounts, with Kyle Walker. He's seen what he's done since he's moved to City. He's he's won multiple trophies. He could win the biggest of the lot in terms of the Champions League next weekend. And I think City will break the bank for Kane because it just solidifies their dominance. And if you've got Harry Kane coming into that Manchester City squad and you play him as your number nine, the amount of goals, as Steve alluded to, that he is going to score for City, not only will he win medals, he'll surpass Alan Shearer's record. He's 95 goals behind Shearer at the moment. I would bet that Kane will end up being the Premier League all-time leading goal scorer if he goes to City. He could end up being it if he goes to Man U too. But I just don't feel he's as certain to win trophies with United as he would be with Man City. City are the even money favourites with Boyle Sports in terms of his next destination. To stay at Tottenham is actually the second favourite. And the reason being is because we all know Daniel Levy is a hard man to do business with. And if he doesn't get the price that he wants, don't be surprised if he holds out to try and keep Kane at Spurs. That's a 5-4 to four chance and it's 100-30 to 30 that he goes to Man U. They're the only three possibilities. I don't believe anyone else has a chance of getting Kane. Spurs won't sell to Chelsea. They never do. So he's going to end up in Manchester or he's going to stay at Tottenham. And for me, I think he's going to go to Man City because to play with that squad, to play under Pep Guardiola, it would just, to me, it would finish off an incredible career for Kane. As you heard him say there to Gary Neville, he spent 16 years at Spurs. They should do the honourable thing and let him leave that club because he's given everything. But unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out in terms of winning trophies. And that's what he deserves. He's a class act. He's the ultimate professional. And I think he would fit into City seamlessly. It's a frightening thought. Harry Kane leading the line for Manchester City. You can find out more uh, via the Boyle Sports app in terms of odds or via boylesports.com. T's and C's apply 18 plus. Bet responsibly. Be gamble aware. If he does go to Manchester United, though, Steve, do you think that stops Mason Greenwood's chances of becoming a number nine? With City, we know that Aguero is leaving, so there naturally is a space there for a striker. However, there's no real rumours linking Anthony Martial with a move away. They've just signed Cavani to a new one-year contract extension. And obviously, Mason Greenwood is the star boy there at Old Trafford. So so how do you think that conundrum might work? I just think there'll be a bit of movement. You know, like I said earlier, I think, you know, the, the good thing is with Mason Greenwood is he's 19 years of age. Um, he, he's got loads of time yet and I just think that Cavani's there for another season you know the Cavani spot is going to open up in 12 months time um, and I think you know another season like this one for Mason Greenwood where he does start you know a few games and he does come off the bench and make an impact will put him in great stead because the kid will still be 20 and um, I just think that you know I think the United will, will try and move Martial on I just don't think he's he's done anything really you know after showing some really really promising early form but I just think that he's all Mason Greenwood has to do is hold tight for another 12 months um, you know do what City have done with Foden in term, terms of integrating him and he'll be absolutely fine uh, but I just think that United will will um, 
they're desperate to get back back up and you know all the stuff that, that Leon's just said about Man City and he's absolutely right you know you, you can't argue with that I just think United uh, are more desperate um, than City are and I think that, um, that, that they'll go all guns blazing and I think Mason could learn a lot off Harry Kane and, and Edison Cavani over the next 12 months and obviously you've got Marcus Rashford in there as well um, and mm. I just think that you know if United can get that deal over the line um I think that might propel them to the next level. I mean, you know, they'll probably win the Europa League trophy, I would have thought, but United needs to be challenging for the Champions League and, and the Premier League table. And I think that, um, you know, they, they everyone's kind of saying that United have had a really good season in the second and stuff like that. There's been a lot of factors that have contributed to United being second this season and they're not second by a long way. So there's a lot of work to do there this summer. The big elephant in the room for me, Leon, is Erling Haaland. He could be available this summer from Borussia Dortmund. I know there's a release clause next year, but certainly he's hot property along with Kane, probably the two best strikers in the world right now. I mean, Lewandowski is obviously up there too, but we can't see him leaving Bayern Munich. Do you think that that might turn a few heads, the possibility of getting a younger, fresher, less injury-prone, more potential Erling Haaland in the squad rather than going for Harry Kane? Yeah, well, look, I mean, you've got Haaland. He's obviously got years on his side in terms of his age. Mm. But he's not proven in the Premier League. I think what you're getting with Harry Kane is you're getting someone who will just score goals in that Premier League. Haaland is an exceptional talent. There's no doubt about that. I just wonder with that buyout clause, not for another 12 months, does he stay with Dortmund um, for another season? They've won the German Cup. Um, They're obviously trying to topple uh, Bayern Munich. It's not looking... Um, easy for them in terms of how music keeps strengthening their squad every season. Jaden Sancho is another one that may leave in the summer. So, look, there's going to be a lot of players that are being touted about for different clubs and for different um, types of transfer fees. But the one who I do feel we know wants to leave is Harry Kane. We don't know yet about Haaland. We don't know if he's willing to give Dortmund another 12 months. Me personally, if I was him, I would give Dortmund another 12 months play every week, stay there. You've got Champions League football. You're week in, week out, you're scoring goals. And then someone will meet that clause in 12 months' time, in my opinion. I just feel he's still young. Um, Look, we saw him when he played against Liverpool a couple of seasons ago in the Champions League. We looked at him against City. I think he'll be well-suited to the Premier League. His size, his power, he's got a bit of pace. He knows where the back of the net is. I'm not for one moment saying if he comes in the summer that he won't hit the ground running because he's an exceptional talent. Kylian Mbappe is another one you could throw into the mix. Is he going to leave PSG? There's a lot of questions about a lot of big name kind of strikers. And as we all know, strikers score the goals that win the games. They're the ones who always go for the big, big money. Yes, when you look at Virgil van Dijk, when you look at Ruben Diaz, they've proved that if you get the right centre-half, they're worth splashing out on the big money. But certainly when it comes to the big, big transfer fees, it's always going to be higher when you get that guy who can score you 20-plus goals in the league per season. And Harry Kane has done that so often in the Premier League. I really feel he's the big name that United or City will go all out to get this summer. Well, the Daily Mirror, Steve, are reporting that some of the Spurs players are shocked at the news that Harry Kane is considering a move away from the club. Do you believe that? Do you buy that? I mean, surely as a teammate of Harry Kane's, you get a feeling that someone's kind of outperforming and perhaps could be 
moving away from the club. I, I just I find it staggering if anyone would say to us that they were shocked about that. Um, I just think it's <laughs> that that would be incredulous. I just think that um, they know what's going on. You know, they'll have the WhatsApp groups going and stuff like that. And Harry will have his his players that he's really close with, his his mates like and you know. But he's a top pro and he's not said anything into the media until this week, um, as the season's coming to an end. And I, but I, I can't see anyone in football being surprised about it uh, at all. And I think that um, it'd be delusional for you know one of the Tottenham players to come out and say, "Oh, we we knew nothing." I thought, I thought Ryan handled it as best he could the other day in his press conference. Um, you know, I don't think he was definitive. I think he, he'd obviously, you know, knows more than he's letting on. But I think as, you know, the media were trying to coax the answer out of him, I thought he handled it pretty well. But it, it's it's bad for Spurs, you know, it, and it sets them back a long time, this. Um, and then, you know, you look at the other side of the coin and you think, you know, Hyung Min Son, um, who's having another good season himself, um, you know, 17 goals and 10 assists this season, Um you just think, oh, you know, where's his head going to be at if he's going to lose his main striking partner? And, you know, Gareth Bale's obviously going back to Real Madrid this summer. Um, they need a manager just... too, Steve. Ryan Mason isn't going to stick around. Absolutely. And I just think um, suddenly, you know, Tottenham's finances have been hit quite hard, obviously, because quite rightly, they've, they've built this unbelievable stadium. And um, I just think Spurs are, are in real danger here, um, you know, of of kind of falling away and... and, and taken a good three or four years to get back up there um, and, and when I say back up there I mean like you know challenging for top four not not doing anything you know sensational and I just think that yeah it, it's a worrying time for Tottenham because they really are at a crossroads now two years ago they were Champions League finalists and now they might not even qualify for Europe could be a summer of big change at Tottenham Hotspur obviously a lot of the focus will be on Harry Kane's future one person who is definitely leaving their London club is Roy Hodgson he will depart Crystal Palace in the summer we'll talk more about that next here on Football Social Daily Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social, your daily Premier League podcast. The season is coming to an end, but we're not done. Of course, we'll be covering the Euros off as well. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss a single episode of the podcast again. Time to talk Crystal Palace now. And Crystal Palace do sometimes get a fair bit of stick on this podcast. Roy Hodgson will have his final farewell on Sunday as he will depart Crystal Palace after four years at the helm at the expiry of his contract. But who takes on that massive rebuilding job? at the Eagles. Names include Frank Lampard and Sean Dyche that have been linked in the press. And Frank Lampard was said to actually be in talks uh, by well-renowned reporter Fabrizio Romano. But a second recent reporter said he's actually pulled out of that running due to fears the Eagles could be sucked into a relegation scrap. What's your take on this, Leon? Do you think that's smart from Frank Lampard or does he need to take the plunge and prove himself after it all unravelled at Chelsea? Um, look, you know, I mean, he's gone from Derby to Chelsea and and Crystal Palace, to be fair, are a decent Premier League outfit. They're not going to set the world alight because they're run like a proper business should be run. They're not going to go out there and risk everything. But I think just a quick word on Roy Hodgson. I think he's done a solid job. He came in there. What was it? They hadn't scored a goal in I can't remember how many matches and took them off the bottom of the table and kept them up that season after the nightmare of having De Boer in charge, which was a crazy decision. But I look at Lampard and you say to yourself, does he want this? Because it is it is a tricky job in terms of Wilfred Zaha has always been talked about leaving the club. You've got Benteke back scoring, which is a big plus. 
And Eze, who I think he's 21 or 22, I think bigger clubs are going to be sniffing around him uh, come this summer. So I think for Lampard, he'd want to get assurances that he's got a bit of money to spend. Um, I don't know how much money would become available to him. But you look at some of the other names that might be attracted to Crystal Palace. Steve Cooper, of course, is doing a really good job at Swansea. They're in the playoffs at the moment. They could um, actually get promoted up to the Premier League. Sean Dyche is a manager who I've got the utmost respect for because talk about a guy who can deliver year after year with no budget, basically zero budget. And to get that side to stay and remain in the Premier League, what he's done, I think, is truly remarkable. And for a side like Crystal Palace, who like to have a big man, who like to have a couple of wingers who get down and get balls into the box, I actually feel someone like Sean Dyche would fit Crystal Palace. He's actually a four-to-one chance to be the next Palace manager. Lampard is favoured at the moment, five to four. Steve Cooper, second favourite at five to two. Eddie Howe, I don't know whether he's going to Celtic or not. There's a lot of talk that a deal has been done. They're just waiting to announce it. Chris Wilder, would he come back in after leaving Sheffield United? And then Big Sam, Big Sam Allardyce. But I don't think Sam Allardyce is who Crystal Palace want. If I was Palace, my choice would be Sean Dyche. Well, Sean Dyche, as Leon rightly says, is being linked with the job. And you can find all of the latest odds, obviously, on the Boyle Sports website and Boyle Sports app. But Burnley's chairman, Alan Pace, has come out with a timely interview because obviously they've just been taken over by the Americans. And he's claimed, Steve, that Dyche will have money to spend this summer, which is exactly what Leon's referring to. It's not often he gets that luxury. He's actually the highest paid person at Burnley. That includes the players. That is how highly they think of him at Turf Moor. I mean, Palace could easily match the salary that Sean Dyche is on and probably even raise it. But is it a sideways step to go to Selhurst Park rather than stay at Burnley? Uh, it, it's a tough one, this, because I, I was thinking about this before the podcast and, and, and I'm not sure, in all honesty. Um, I think, do they need, you know, like as Leon's just said, you know, I think Sean Dyche would do a great job at Crystal Palace. Um, and I think if, if they could give Sean Dyche a bit of money, that's the kind of tipping point for me. Um, you know, because Crystal Palace are a team that don't spend massive amounts of money as well. Um, you know, so, um, but, at Burnley, he's worked with no money, um, so it's it, you know there's all kinds of you know twists and turns with it. Really, I'd like to see him up there because I think he could get Palace up to you know tenth, eleventh in the league, something like that. Um, you know, and if he gets a decent cup run, um, you know, I think that that will do him, put him in good stead as well. And I like Sean Dyche. I love the recent you know um, press conference he did. You know where they had they had the laugh and and he didn't talk about football and all that. I think he's a real personality in the Premier League and um, I think that the Crystal Palace job would be good for him but I think that there's got to be plenty of caveats um, that come with that and and it is a, you know a decent transfer budget and if they said to him there's 25 million quid to spend in summer that that's massive for Palace um, you know because I think they got you know the likes of AU for two million quid didn't they something like that um, you know and they've, they've set, you know made signings the likes of Martin Kelly and Gary Cahill in the past who've come in on free deals I think you know Eze might have been the, the biggest transfer recently at Palace mightn't it um, you know but I just think that um, 
I'd, I'd want to hear what Burnley want to do with him, really. Um, if I was him, if, if you know, if, if the American owners who've who've got off to a good start, I think at Burnley, will say, listen, you know, we we will back you. We will improve the scouting network because I believe the scouting network is 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 as minimal as it gets at Burnley. Um, you know, they they haven't got a presence in Europe, um, in terms of looking for players to come in and. Um, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of talking to be done, but I, I could see him at going to Palace, and I think he'd be good. And I think um, the other side of that, I think Frank Lampard, if he if he did did turn it down for fear of being in a relegation battle, I, I think shame on him really for that. He's got to back himself in them situations. He he's got to prove to people that he can get you know teams playing decent football, and um, he tactically he was outclassed a lot at Chelsea. You know when he come up against the big teams and stuff like that, he, you know tactically he proven very naive. And I just think that Crystal Palace would be a great opportunity for him to to prove his doubters wrong. And you know, if, if he's nudging the top half of the table at Crystal Palace, he's a he's a tremendous success. And you know, but yeah, that that's my two piece with on it really. I'm a bit a bit conflicted on it really. And I think that um, you know, Sean Dyche would be would be a solid solid fit. I mean, obviously, it's a huge rebuilding job, Leon, with ten to twelve players out of contract at Crystal Palace that probably would be enough to put some managers off taking the job. And I think that's understandable because with the Euros coming up as well, I know that there's a couple of internationals in the Crystal Palace squad. So it's going to be difficult to kind of, you know, round up the troops and get things sorted ahead of the next Premier League season. But with Sean Dyche, he's the sort of character that's got the steel and the metal about him to take that sort of challenge head on. He's a manager that you could back to really go in there and make those signings and and sort out the squad. Look, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's one of the, I mean, he's a top manager. You've just got to put it into perspective, the job he's actually done at Burnley with no budget. I mean, it's phenomenal how he's actually kept that side in the Premier League year after year. And I think he would embrace a challenge of this nature. But I think Steve is right as well. If the American owners in Burnley say, look, Sean, this is what you've got. If Palace are speaking to him and they say, this is what we're going to give you. He's got to weigh it up himself. He's been at Burnley a long time. There's no doubt he lives, breathes and loves that club. That's without question. So if he gets the backing at Burnley, does he think he can get Burnley up to around a mid-table finish? I think if he gets backing at either club, he will finish in the top half. I believe he's that good of a manager. And I think when you look at him and, and you watch him and how and how the players seem to seem to react to him. They they really like his approach. He's he's no nonsense. If you're not putting it in, you won't play. It's as simple as that. And I wish a lot of other managers would had would, would have that same type of approach. You need workers. You need players who are being paid proper proper money even at Burnley, even at Palace. The one thing that Sean Dyche demands is effort, is work rate. It's you've got to put in a shift. You've got to show those paying supporters week in, week out, that you want to die for that shirt. And the one thing I've noticed with Sean Dyche over the years watching his sides, you get that in abundance. So if he stays at Burnley or if he goes to Crystal Palace, whatever he does, whoever club gets him, they're going to have a good season next year because I do believe he will go wherever he's going to be given some transfer funds. So it's an exciting summer for Sean Dyche. Yeah, certainly. And although this is a more trivial thing, he's not afraid to have a bit of a laugh as well, as Steve highlighted um, in those press conferences where 
he was talking about looky likeies and looking like Mick Hucknall and all the rest of it. So uh, I think he is a character for sure. I mean, as for Alan Pace, the new Burnley chairman, he's been making all the right noises, saying that Sean Dyche is going to have money to spend, giving away Burnley tickets for free for their final home game at Turf Moor earlier this week. So certainly it's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Before we move on, Steve, uh, Leon's given his thoughts on Roy Hodgson, who, of course, is a former Liverpool manager, but he isn't fondly thought of on Merseyside by Reds. I mean, do you share that view? Because he sometimes gets a bit of stick when he does go back to Anfield. Uh, do you know what? I think that uh, it's so difficult because Roy come into the Liverpool job at a really bizarre time at the club. Um, you know, Rafa Benitez had just had an acrimonious departure. Um, you know, he fell out with... Hicks and Gillette, didn't he? And, um, you know, over over numerous things. And, and again, that could be a podcast in itself, you know what I mean? But um, <laughs> I just think that, um, um, I think the problem with Roy is is he come in at that time and, and Rafa Benitez was so well loved by, by the Liverpool supporters because he, he'd had enormous success at the club. And um, I think when you you factor in the type of player that Roy Hodgson signed at Liverpool and some of the decisions that he made in his six months, um, you know, I'm talking about signing Paul Koncheski, Christian Poulsen, um, John Joe Shelby come as an 18 year old, you know, Raul Morales, um, you know, Milan Jovanovic, and uh, hang, hang on, Morales won the Champions League, didn't he with Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steady on. That was, his, that was his record signing. You know, Danny, <laughs> you know Dan, Danny Wilson from Rangers and and Joe Cole on a free transfer. You know, I mean, it it was never going to work for him with that type of strategy when it comes to transfers, and then that transfer that that transferred onto the pitch in terms of performances and and the football that Liverpool played at that point was abject um you know we 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 struggled we had no identity and um you know we were put out of the domestic cup by uh, sorry the league cup by northampton on penalties on a really wet night at anfield it was horrendous in there it was got absolutely drenched in the main stand and um and i just think you know right guy wrong time wrong budget um, at Liverpool and I think that the outrage off the back of the ownership and the fact that we um, were starting to make kind of moves to take Hicks and Gillette into the high court you know to mm. um, for the club to be sort it, it, it was just it was turbulent to say the least yeah. so and Roy was a bit of collateral damage then by yeah, the sounds of it he was yeah and I just yeah. think that um, I, I hope on Sunday that from the 10,000 fans that are in Anfield I hope he gets a really good reception um, I, I hope he gets um, you know a, a lot of respect and I think that I'd love them to sing his name uh, for, for briefly um, you know because I think his last game at Anfield for the service that he's put into the game I mean what 45 50 years in coaching something like that um, I, I hope he has a nice moment um, in, from the fans but not for the, for the result. <laughs> <laughs> well, it will be Roy Hodgson's final game as Crystal Palace manager this weekend. Of course, as Leon rightly points out, you can find the latest odds on Boyle Sports for the next Crystal Palace boss. You can find out more via the app or via boylesports.com. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Bet responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Right, we're going to talk the Football Writers Association Player of the Season next. That's Manchester City's Ruben Diaz. We'll do it after this. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Sports Social's Football Social Daily. My name's Niall. I've got Stephen Leon alongside me. And time to talk about Ruben Diaz, the Manchester City defender, has been voted by journalists as the Football Writers Association Player of the Season. 
Can you see why, Leon, with his leadership and performances for Manchester City this season? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'm glad that they've given it to him. Um, being a defender, um, they don't get mm. it enough. Um, certainly, I think he has just been the rock that has propelled Man City through um, a difficult start to a campaign. You must remember, City started in the league dreadfully. I think it was the game at Stanford Bridge that kind of turned their whole season um, when they went there and they won. But I'm just looking at Diaz and you just see him in the same mould as a Virgil van Dijk. He just controls everything from the back. And he has been such a pivotal signing for Pep Guardiola because let's not, like, let's not get kind of caught up in this. Guardiola has made some terrible signings in terms of defenders. Absolutely dreadful signings. He's pumped a lot of money into big named players who haven't delivered at Manchester City. And when you look at the ones that he has there now, you look at Cancelo, really, really good fullback in my opinion. You look at Kyle Walker, he does it week in, week out. He's a very, very solid player. John Stones, I think, has hugely benefited from Ruben Diaz. I still believe, unfortunately for England fans out there who are listening in terms of John Stones, I just believe there's still a mistake in Stones when he's not beside Diaz. And that might be if he's playing beside whoever for England during the Euros. And that's the biggest compliment I can give Ruben Diaz. I think he makes players around him better. The same can be said about the big man, VVD. He makes other players play better when he's beside them because they control it from the back. They, they are always talking. They are always giving instructions. They know where to be at the right time. I think City, when you look at them, I think they've conceded, what, 32 goals um, in 37 games. That's been phenomenal. And if you take away three against Brighton when they were a man down and they were 2-0 up, look, the league is already over. That's a phenomenal achievement um, over a Premier League season. And he rightly deserves to be called the best player in the league this year because I think he has been head and shoulders for consistency, for his, for his, um, for his effect on his teammates, how he just controls everything. For me, it's an award that's richly deserved. And in him, City have got a real leader for the coming years. That's the word I wanted to use, Leon, leadership. Because, I mean, he's obviously got the skill and the talent. He's an exceptional defender. But it's that communication, that leadership, which I think Manchester City were probably lacking last season, Steve, when they lost out on the Premier League title to Liverpool. And a lot of people were saying, well, it's because they never replaced Vincent Company. Company retired and, you know, Laporte had a good season last season. I think he's another very, very good defender at Manchester City. But do you think in Ruben Diaz, they found that company successor that they were desperately looking for? Possibly. Um, I think the early signs are very promising um, that, that that's the case. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, I'll be quite interested to see how, how, how Diaz develops um, in the coming years in the Premier League. And I think you know the acid test will be in the next season or two. Um, to see if he's pro, well, he's he's very steep up with trajectory carries on. Um, phenomenal player, being absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, for Man City and and at sixty million, was it was it sixty million? 
was it something like 60 million a very very smart piece of business and um you, you know you go four miles across the way in manchester um and you look at a, a defender that, that cost 80 million and i think it's like night and day between them i, I genuinely think it's it's like night and day i think even at 24 he appears levels above um and you know i think the premier league again is probably blessed with you know the, the best two defenders in the world in in um you know virgil and and ruben um you know we've got two best goalkeepers i think um an abundance of strikers obviously and um you know we've got two of the world's best center backs i think so great signing for city you know if he can stay injury free because we know last season the narrative was that because laporte was was injured that that ruined their title challenge um because they had to put fernandinho into into the back and that didn't work out i mean i've heard that somewhere before um you know i don't know where this year but um i just think that uh yeah i can't talk highly enough about Ruben Diaz and and, and the, the scouting team and recruitment staff at Man City for getting that one over the line because he's been 10 out of 10 magnificent. I am quite interested to see the old to and fro on social media between 15-year-old uh, Liverpool fans and 15-year-old City fans over who's got the best. <laughs> I think back. Back. Yeah. There's bound to be some yeah. sort of arguing going on on Twitter. Um, let's have a bit of fun here then, lads, as we tick towards the end of the show. If Diaz has been one of the best signings this season, who's been the biggest flop? Because I've seen a few suggestions, Leon, for Timo Werner. They spent a fair bit of money on him at Chelsea. Is that harsh to say that he's been a flop this season? Um, I think I wouldn't put Timo Werner as number one. I'd put Kai Havertz as number one, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. I think with Timo Werner, I think he's doing a lot of things right. The thing that annoys me about strikers is if they're not getting into the positions to score. The one thing about Werner is he is getting in to certain positions. Okay, his finishing hasn't been the best this year. But the one thing I would say about him is I think he's got he's got the potential because I do believe as a young player, the first season, any player, and maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on Havertz too, but the first season for a lot of foreign players, it does take them that year to get used mm. to the Premier League. Now, Especially with the climate as well, with the p pandemic and stuff, and it's difficult to adapt to culture, I suppose you could say as well. Oh, right? look, absolutely. And I just think with Werner, the one thing that does frustrate me about him is the amount of times he gets caught offside. And <laughs> really, to me, it looks it looks a little bit lazy because he's got so much pace. There was a chance, um, I think it was only a couple of weeks ago, and he just stood there. He was trying to walk back onside knowing that he was offside and then he went down and scored. I think it was actually against maybe Man City, but he just has to get that into his game. But I think it's harsh on him. As I said, I'd be more worried about Timo Werner if he wasn't popping up in the right areas. I do think with him, he I'm not saying he's going to be a, a 20 or 25 goal a season man, but I do think with Chelsea, if they get a proper number nine in, I think Werner coming off the left wing would be my preferred position for him. But if you're thinking about the worst signing, I've got to say Kai Havertz. Because to me, um, I know he's maybe he's been played out of position a lot because he's been played as that false number nine when he's clearly a number 10. He wants to play in behind a number nine, which hasn't happened a lot for him at Chelsea. But the money that they spent on him, I couldn't believe it at the time. I really, really couldn't. And... I think he's been the biggest flop. If you're looking at a at a fee, 
and you're looking at what he's brought back into Chelsea this year, for me, he's the worst signing of the season. Well, he's not for me. Mine's Rian Brewster. Sorry to twist the knife into you Liverpool fans. Um, <laughs> but I say twist the knife. It could be genius from Liverpool and their transfer committee because I think he cost Sheffield United 20 million, something like that, Steve. And it has definitely not worked out for him. Sheffield United are going to finish rock bottom. They're down to the championship. He hasn't scored a single goal this Premier League season. That is a lot of money to splash out on a young player who has not performed. Yeah, I think the um, the money on it was 23.5 million quid. Um, and also we inserted a 20% sell-on fee into that as well. Um, <laughs> you know, so we it's fair to say that, you know, we truly had had their pants down there. Um, you might have 750k back yeah, at some point um, then. <laughs> I think that, um, uh, you know, I, I agree, Havertz has, has had a, a bad season, but for me, I, I was torn between three, really, and, and Rian Booster was in there, but for me, it's either William at Arsenal, um, yeah. who, who, Ooh, who, yeah. that's a really good shout. Who's, who's been dreadful um, and the words that he's gone to Arsenal to win the Champions League within three years are just comical um, you know but I think I think I mean it, it probably is William if it was being really harsh I'd probably say uh, Van der Beek at United um, you know 45 million quid something like that for him and, and it's it's been disastrous so far and I don't know what the reason is for that whether it's the manager or whether it's his, his, um, his attitude or professionalism I'm not sure but I think that United have not even had 5% of that investment back yet off him He's played 6 games Van der Beek You could say the same Niall about Brewster too like Sheffield United bought him and didn't play him now I don't know the ins and outs. Anytime I seen him, he looked unfit. He really did look unfit when um, he was being played. Now, he got played very, very rarely. Um, and you could say the same about Van de Beek. So, yeah, but I think the Willian show, actually, when you, when you look at the money that Arsenal are paying that guy, I mean, he has done absolutely nothing to justify those type of salaries. But we've seen that before with Arsenal where they've given these guys massive, massive money and they just haven't fulfilled anywhere near their potential. Well, we know what's going to happen this weekend now, lads. Willian's going to score a hat-trick. Van der Beek's going to score for <laughs> Manchester United. And we're going to have our pants pulled down. Obviously, a really exciting weekend in the Premier League to come. Probably the pick of the games, Leon. Leicester against Spurs. I don't know, Boyle Sports have got a special on. They're offering a £10 no-lose bet this weekend on Leicester against Spurs in that final Premier League fixture. If you place a 10 quid bet on the match, simply put, if your first bet on the game loses, you'll get your money back in the form of a free bet, which will be refunded to your account. You can find out more via the Boyle Sports app or via boylesports.com. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Bet responsibly. Be gambleaware.org. So just to finish... Leicester against Spurs, Leon. Where's where's the good markets there? Yeah, look, I mean, I'm going for a Leicester win. Um, I think Spurs are an absolute shambles, as we saw against Villa. And I think Leicester will know that Chelsea have got a difficult trip to Aston Villa. Um, Jack Grealish has started to come alive now. and he's, he's been kind of getting closer and closer. He was introduced as a sub. Then he started. Um, it's a big game for him. I'm sure... That's where Gareth Southgate will be, will be Villa Park, I'm only guessing. But I think he will be at Villa Park because a lot of the Chelsea players and Grealish in particular will be under the microscope. So I think Leicester, they're even money to beat Spurs. But when you get a no-lose bet, you've got to look for a little bit of value. And that man, Ian Acho again, 
it was a brilliant finish at Stamford Bridge. Iosi Perez should have got them a point. He missed an absolute sitter very late in the game. But at 7-2, to two, I like the look of Ian Acho. You know, I watched Harry Kane quite closely in the kind of Villa game. And I think all this talk, it's bound to affect him a little bit. He's still neck and neck with Mo Salah to see who's going to win the golden boot. So they're both going into the last game of the season knowing that a goal or certainly two goals will probably win them that. And knowing Kane's professionalism, he's a five to one chance to score first. I would either pick Ian Acho or I'd pick Harry Kane to score first with that no-lose £10 bet. But I'm looking forward to the game. I obviously won't be watching it. I'll be watching Liverpool against Crystal Palace. <laughs> but I think this game, Leicester v Spurs, there could be goals in it because Leicester are obviously going to have to try and win it. I don't think Leicester are going to be as naive as Brendan Rodgers was with Liverpool all those years ago when we were beating Crystal Palace quite comfortably and then we just lost the plot. <laughs> I think, I think Brendan Rodgers will try and just get the three points in the hope that Aston Villa can get a point. And that's all they need. If Villa can draw with Chelsea and Leicester beat Spurs, Leicester are going to qualify in the top four. So there's a lot to play for on Sunday, but that's where I'd go. I'd look at a first goal scorer and the two men have got to be Ian Acho or Harry Kane. Yeah, and if Harry Kane does score, could be his last goal or two for Tottenham Hotspur. Who knows? We've spoken about it already on the podcast, but we have reached the end of the show. Just finally, are Liverpool going to finish in the top four, Steve? I just think that, um, you know, 10,000 fans in Anfield will be, will be you know, transformational. And I think, I think Liverpool will, will be probably the most aggressive we've seen them in a long time. Um, you know, and, and I think that they will want to kind of put it to bed early doors on. Sunday, and I think you know Palace have conceded goals this season. Uh, I think you know Etsy, um, you know, suffered in a very serious Achilles injury. It's very unfortunate for him, but I think that makes a big difference to that Palace team. And you know, I think Liverpool will be kicking themselves if they don't do it. And I expect us to finish the job on um, Sunday because Liverpool, on the quiet, have been in fantastic form for for a little bit now. Mm, best form um, in the Premier League, Steve. You know, and um, you know we we can uh, you know kind of go into that game with confidence. And I think, I mean, the dream situation for me would be for Leicester and Liverpool to be you know uh, third and fourth, and Chelsea to finish. In fifth. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a possibility this weekend if Liverpool play anything like they did at Old Trafford the other week. I think they'll be absolutely fine against Crystal Palace. That's it for today's Football Social Daily, the final Friday Football Social Daily of the Premier League season, but we'll still be back next week because, of course, the Euros are right around the corner. Don't forget to hit subscribe. That way you won't miss another episode. A full preview show ahead of the weekend's fixtures tomorrow and on Sunday, Fergal, Brennan and co will be back to look back at the final round of Premier League action. That's it for today. Cheers, Leon. Cheers, Steve. And we'll catch you again next time on Football social daily it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say your chance to win starts with a spin so go to luckylandslots.com to play over 100 social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.